Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable human centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. When Drake's Bay Oyster Company closed up shop in 2014, it was a blow to many who loved visiting the oyster shack for a briny treat. Well, a long legal battle to keep the Drake's Bay Oyster Company open to the public has come to an end. The oyster farm and restaurant had operated in Point Reyes National Seashore since the 1930s. But when its 40-year lease ran out, the Department of the Interior decided not to renew it. Much of the area in the National Seashore has been designated wilderness, and the then Secretary of the Interior has said the oyster farm doesn't fit in a wilderness area, since it's a commercial operation. Years later, the decision to close the oyster farm still angers many people. And now a similar controversy is brewing. My name is Beth Tichette. We've been living in Fairfax for like 25 years. So we've been in you know, Marin County for a long time. Beth, our question asker this week, has often seen cattle grazing in Point Reyes National Seashore. For a long time, she didn't think much of it. But recently, she started wondering. How did we end up allowing cattle in a national park? Beth's question won a voting round on baycurious.org, and it's at the heart of a battle that's been heating up between environmental groups, ranchers, and the National Park Service for years. Today, we'll bring you the history of cattle ranching in Point Reyes National Seashore and unpack some of the conflict shaping up there now. I'm Olivia Allen Price, and this is Bay Curious. Support for Bay Curious comes from Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Committed to brewing things the right way since 1980, because when you're a family-run brewery, there's no other way to do it. Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Still family-owned, operated, and argued over. And be sure to stay tuned through the end of the show so you can play our monthly trivia game for a chance to win some cool prizes. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. You get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. Point Reyes National Seashore in West Marin is just about an hour from San Francisco. That makes it a favorite place for many Bay Area residents looking to get outside and enjoy the coast. It also means a lot of people care about how the National Park Service is managing the land. Bay Curious editor and producer Katrina Schwartz takes us to the park to explore how history and the stories we choose to tell have shaped this park. And she'll answer Beth's question, what's with the cattle? 
The short answer to Beth's question is that people were raising cattle on the lands that are now Point Reyes National Seashore before the park's creation. Let's go back to the beginning. This beautiful place is the homeland of the Coast Miwok people. Long before there were cattle here, the Thule elk roamed these grassy hills. When the Spanish missionaries came here in the early 1800s, they brought cattle with them, letting them range alongside the elk. The Mexican rancheros, who took over the land next, started running proper ranches with more cows. Then American settlers took over in 1857, and they continued the tradition. All these colonizers hunted the Thule elk almost to extinction. Families built homes and farms on the Point Reyes Peninsula and made a living selling butter to hungry miners in San Francisco. At one point, dozens of farms operated on the land and produced more butter than anywhere else in the state. In the 1950s, close to 100 years later, the population of the Bay Area was growing fast, and real estate developers got interested in West Marin. This is a pretty desirable country to live in. It has some aspects that are really set aside from other places. That's Boyd Stewart, a local rancher who shared his memories with the Oral History Project at UC Berkeley's Bancroft Library. It's not hot, not cold, close to San Francisco and everything, and people did pretty well here. Developers were looking for land in West Marin for some big housing projects. Population came in, and suddenly there were people that saw there were possibilities of making investments out here that would enable them to make a lot of money, that eventually it would be subdivided. But local Marin residents and conservationists had their own plans. They wanted to preserve the natural beauty of the area by establishing a national park on Point Reyes Peninsula. The only way to do that was to make a deal with ranchers who owned the land. Initially, the ranchers were not on board. At first, they didn't want it bought because it was their land. They wanted you to stay away and leave it alone and not bother them. But slowly, the ranchers started to see some advantages to creating a park. They brokered a deal that would allow them to sell their land, but continue to lease it. They began to realize the few that sold, they got paid for their land and they still had the use of the land and it stays in the family. Most of the ranchers signed an agreement that gave them the right to lease the land for 25 years. After that, the Park Service could decide whether or not to renew the leases. When Point Reyes National Seashore was established in 1962, the environmentalists were happy. They had preserved this beautiful stretch of coast for the public and saved it from development. And the ranchers were happy. They could continue to operate here. But over the following decades, things would turn sour. It started with the elk. In the late 70s, the Park Service wanted to help Thule elk make a comeback in the park, so they created a preserve at the far northern end of the peninsula. They built a fence to keep the elk away from the cattle ranches. The elk are big, averaging around 400 pounds with shaggy brown pelts. And just like the cattle, they require room to roam and graze. Their needs and how the Park Service manages them has become a flashpoint in recent years. About 100 people turned out of Point Reyes Station to protest the death of 152 Thule elk last year, more than a third of the herd from lack of water and malnutrition. The activists Climate change has made water and grass scarce in Point Reyes. Volunteers carried out an emergency water drop this weekend trying to help the rare Thule elk that have been dying in drought conditions on the Point Reyes National Seashore. 
And in the 90s, the Park Service expanded the Thule elk herds beyond the fence. So increasingly, the elk and the cattle are competing for the same resources, which has caused conflict with ranchers. Cattle are are a non-native species. You're going to hear the environmentalist side of this debate first. Jeff Miller is a senior conservation advocate for the Center for Biological Diversity. He says cattle don't belong in national parks. They have a lot of damaging impacts just on soil, on water quality, on vegetation, bring in invasive species, and, you know, the ranching suppresses native wildlife populations where the cattle are. Environmentalists say there are too many cattle, and their manure is washing into waterways. They hired an independent group to test the water at various places in the park. The results showed poop in the water, mostly due to runoff from dairies and cattle ranches. You've got nutrient runoff and fecal coliform, some of it going into endangered species habitat. I mean, any aquatic life, you know, are going to be affected by that. The Park Service is supposed to monitor things like water quality, but Miller says it hasn't been doing a good job. In fact, last year, news broke that human sewage was also leaking into waterways from one ranch. Park Service had no clue about it. So um, they don't have the funding, the staff, or the political will to monitor, let alone enforce um, violations. So yeah, it's really, it's been, the whole trust us has not worked out so well. Everything reached a breaking point in 2014. The Park Service began a public process to change the rules around ranch management in the park. That's when Miller's group decided to sue the Park Service. And they started down this road of doing a, a ranching plan that basically was a wish list for the ranchers. It gave them everything they wanted. Miller and other environmentalists argued that any changes to ranching should be considered in the context of what's good for the whole park. In their eyes, that means it's time for cattle ranching to go. In 2017, the Park Service agreed to amend its governing document, taking into consideration environmentalist concerns about ranching. The Park Service did not want to comment on the story because of ongoing litigation. However, at a 2021 California Coastal Commission hearing, Superintendent Craig Henkel said his staff is trying to balance the ecological needs in the park with mandates from above. Congress has provided clear direction to the National Park Service that these historic ranches on the Point Reyes Peninsula and the Lima Valley are to be preserved by continuing multi generational beef and dairy ranching. Former secretaries of the Interior have supported Congress's intent. And at the same hearing, Jared Huffman, the U.S. congressman representing the area, proclaimed his support for ranching in Point Reyes. These historic ranches are not anachronisms that somehow conflict with the Park Service's mission. Ranching is part of the seashore's DNA. And that's why this plan proposes to continue permitting it. It's why Congress has repeatedly and explicitly, from 1962 to as recently as two years ago, reaffirmed that multi-generational ranching should continue to be part of this unique park. Point Reyes National Seashore would not exist if the ranchers had not agreed to sell their land to the federal government. But critics of cattle ranching say the government has more than met its obligations to those original ranchers. Their continued existence is mostly due to political connections, says Jeff Miller. The Park Service has been kind of cowed by the ranchers politically since the 70s and 80s and has essentially operated as if those leases are going to continue in perpetuity. That is a myth that there's anything in those acts that that in any way enshrines uh, a right to ranch or continued ranching. On the other side of the debate, ranchers point to their historic legacy in the area. 
the importance of preserving local agriculture, their contribution to the organic local food movement, and they promise to comply with more monitoring and regulation from the Park Service. Right now, they have to renew their leases with the Park Service every five years, making it hard to plan. They want 20-year leases so they can invest on a longer timeline. The ranchers also didn't want to speak to me for this story because of ongoing litigation, but many of them shared their views at the California Coastal Commission hearing. I'm Leanne Nunes, a fifth-generation dairy farmer representing the Nunes family. We currently lease the historic A, E, and D ranches at the Point Reyes National Seashore. My name is Tim Kehoe. I'm a third-generation dairy farmer. I've lived in the Point Reyes National Seashore my entire life. I'm Ernest Spoletta. I am a fourth-generation organic dairy rancher. Our family has a long history on this land. We are proud to say that our family has continually operated a dairy in the same location as we do now for just over 100 years. Ranching on Point Reyes Peninsula dates back over 150 years and is an important piece to establishing the Seashore Park. Ranch families, including ours, sold their land to the park 50 years ago to protect Point Reyes and the West Marine coastline from development. You have heard a lot of testimony from elk advocates today. There are two sides to this story. Frankly, the elk threatens the organic certification of our family business by consuming forage needed to maintain the certification. We are committed to continued compliance and preservation of natural resources and biodiversity. To this day, the six dairies in the park strive to be responsible stewards of the land and are committed to maintaining strict environmental standards on our farms. Since the Point Reyes ranchers didn't want to meet with me, I decided to check out a nearby dairy operation, one not in the park itself. So yeah, what... So... These are the calves that are, are raised as replacements for the cows. Albert Strauss is the founder and CEO of Strauss Family Creamery and Organic Dairy Farm. He's showing me around his family's place in Marshall, just across Tomales Bay from the park. Two, two, two groups of cows that get milked twice a day. When I ask him about the controversy over cattle ranching in Point Reyes National Seashore, he says he's worried that if ranchers are kicked out of the park, it will hurt this rural community. It's creating a lot of uncertainty and insecurity for the farms in the park. And it, these are, these are multi-generation families that are part of our community. So we've been devastated by farms going out. Strauss buys organic milk from two dairies in the park. He says the organic certification requires those ranches to carefully manage their land. They want to be good stewards, he says, as they have been for decades. These farms are 100 to 150 years old. The whole reason that Point Reyes got formed in the first place is the ranchers made it happen. With understanding that agriculture was an essential part of this park. He thinks environmentalists and farmers need to work together by making it easier for farmers to use new technologies to reduce their carbon footprint while staying profitable. That's one reason ranchers in the park want 20-year leases. The cattle represent the long agricultural history of West Marin. And the Thule elk are a reminder of how close humans came to wiping out a unique species that thrived alongside the indigenous population. In some ways, the tension between cattle and elk represents two sides of the park's cultural history. History is important, says Teresa Harlan, founder and director of the Alliance for Felix Cove. But she questions if the Park Service is cherry-picking certain historical narratives over others. I follow her in my car down dirt roads and over cattle grates until we reach a small parking area. From the cove all the way to the ocean used to be K Ranch. 
This is one of the historic ranches that is no longer used for cattle. Teresa points out how different the land looks because it's been left to recover. So what you're seeing is a lot of coyote brush that you didn't see, a lot of green that you didn't see. We're hiking about a mile down a dirt road to the cove where Teresa's Coast Miwok family lived for years until they were evicted in the 1950s. You know, they were part of that native labor uh, workforce. My grandmother was a ranch cook. My uncles worked on ranches as ranch hands. After 20 minutes of walking, we come around a bend and glimpse the roofs of a few buildings tucked into the valley. Coming down here, looking down at the house and the shed, it looks nothing like when my mom lived here. There are several wooden buildings covered in vines, overgrown brush and trees, and a beautiful little beach on Tamales Bay. Teresa's family says they were living here as early as the 1800s, but were abruptly told to leave in 1954 by the white ranchers who owned the land. The trauma of that loss kept Teresa away for many years. When she finally visited as an adult, she was shocked at its neglect. And so when I first saw it, I thought, okay, everything goes back to nature. Nature is claiming it. But then as I kept coming down, coming down, I thought, wait a minute, this is a historic site. This needs to be protected. This little house, it's neglected. Why? Why? Because it was a home of Tomonko people, California Indian people. Teresa has been pushing the park and its tribal partner, the Federated Indians of Grattan Rancheria, to recognize the history of her ancestors in this place. She says the Park Service has celebrated the history of ranching, but has done much less to honor the far longer history of the indigenous people who called this place home. There are several Coast Miwok archaeological sites in Point Reyes that the Park Service manages with the help of the tribe, but they're often confidential, sacred sites. It's vital to Teresa that visitors know the indigenous people who loved this land and who were brutally pushed off it are still here. We're not talking about two, three, four hundred years ago. I'm saying my mom, our aunts, our moms, our uncles, our grandparents. It's immediate. History, who gets to tell it and which parts we celebrate and preserve, is at the heart of the debate about the future of Point Reyes National Seashore. Environmentalists and ranchers found middle ground to create this pristine 70,000-acre park 50 years ago. That ground has gotten shakier, but that doesn't mean compromise isn't possible. After all, the economic future of the community, the health of the environment, and the very spirit of this land are at stake. Everyone will be watching what happens here next. That was Bay Curious editor and producer Katrina Schwartz. We just put a new voting round up for the month of January at baycurious.org. Here's what we're considering. What's the deal with Mad Mark's Castle at the Albany Bulb? Why is wood burning only banned on Spare the Air Days and not always? What efforts have been made to ban wood burning outright? The Iron Horse Trail runs from Concord to Pleasanton. When did actual trains run? Did they carry passengers? Where were the train stations located? Was the historic Walnut Creek Station one of them? Cast your vote for the question you'd like to see us answer at baycurious.org. Bay Curious is made in San Francisco at member-supported KQED. Our show is produced by Katrina Schwartz, Brendan Willard, Amanda Font, and me, Olivia Allen Price. 
Our social video intern is Darren too. This is Darren's last week with us at Big Curious, but exciting news, he's been hired by KQED to create social videos for the news department. Be sure you're following KQED News on Instagram and TikTok to see Darren's work. Congrats, Darren. We wish you the best of luck, and we look forward to seeing you around the office. All right, everyone, that's it for this week. We'll see you next time. Hi, Big Curious listeners. Are you ready to play May's trivia game? Every month, we read a question here at the end of our episode. You can give us your answers over at our website, kqed.org slash baycurious, or just click the link in the episode description. Out of the correct answers, we'll randomly choose one lucky winner to receive a cool prize package with Bay Curious swag and Sierra Nevada goodies. Okay, our question for the month is, the world's longest-running pillow-fighting contest was held from 1966 to 2006 in what Bay Area town? Our trivia quiz is made possible by Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Good luck! Hey there, it's Olivia Allen Price, host of Bay Curious, the podcast. KQED Podcasts wants to thank listeners like you, whose support makes this podcast possible. If you want to help us continue to make great content, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. And thanks.